Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And we're joined by a very special guest. Oh, yeah, I'm Carly. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Carly. Hi. So, Carly, you hold a really special place for me and Nate because six years ago, we started a conversation on a road trip together where Nate was telling me about this lecture that he had just done for a handful of his students. I had been trying to teach music theory using all these examples from the classical world, you know, Baccarini and Handel. And not only did the students have to learn music theory, they also had to like get familiar with these unfamiliar classical pieces. And I was like, this is too, uh, this is a double whammy. Why don't we learn music theory using a song that they all already know? It's the summer of 2012. <laughs> Everyone is listening to your number one hit, Call Me Maybe. And I'm like, this is the song we're going to use to learn music theory. For like two hours, me and 20 high school students broke down all the different musical elements of Call Me Maybe. I was talking to Charlie and telling him about this, and he was feeding off that excitement, and he was like, we should start a podcast. Fast forward five years later, and here we are. No way! That's how this began? That's yeah. amazing. Wow. Very cool. So, not to make you too uncomfortable, but we do sometimes call you St. Jepson, because you are the beatific presence that watches over us all. That's amazing. They say it's always a bad idea to meet your idols because you're going to in inevitably be disappointed. So we thought we could maybe just start by getting it out of the way and you could just tell us the most horrible thing that you've ever done. <laughs> oh, there's a list. <laughs> <laughs> we, for the last many years, have been breaking down how pop songs work with some of the greatest songwriters, producers, and other folks in the music business. So we thought this is a really fun moment because this week is the one-year anniversary of your great album, Dedicated, and you also have a new album coming out, the B-Sides off of Dedicated. And so we thought we could celebrate both of those by getting deep into the music. Absolutely. Sounds like fun. So let's talk Dedicated just to start. What were you wanting to accomplish on this record? Um, I mean, I had a mission statement to start off with, but I ended up straying very far away from that. I kind of had this fake album title called Music to Clean Your House To. Because <laughs> I thought that's when I listen to music at this age. It's not like a raging. It's like yeah. chill disco kind of sounds sounded interesting to me. But 
the idea of it being ex- like exclusively disco, um, I think was sort of pigeonholing me because it wasn't coming out naturally. I think Julian's like the closest thing I got to it, but the rest of the album kind of went in these different directions, 90s, 80s, all of the colors. I kind of felt like I let go of the rules of knowing exactly what I was going to make and just allowed myself to play in all the genres of pop that I was attracted to. The music that I clean my room to is the Hamilton soundtrack, but I think <laughs> Dedicated would also work really well. Uh, some of our favorite singles are Party for One. Party for One, if you don't care about me, make it love to myself, back on my Now That I've Found You. No Drug Like Me. But we want to zero in on one of our favorite songs off this record, which is Want You In My Room. Very cut to the point that one, yes. <laughs> there's, there's no beating around the bush in that song. No. <laughs> this is a collaboration with one of your longtime collaborators, Tavish Crow, and the ubiquitous producer, Jack Antonoff. What's the story behind Want You In My Room? The fun thing about Jack is that we both come at music in this really playful manner. So we're sort of like kids, like we dance the song out. We don't just like sit down and write it. We're like shouting things across the room. It becomes this really playful thing. And I think he just said sort of like, I want you in my room. And I went, oh, the bed! On the floor! <laughs> like, there's not a lot of people you feel safe enough to be that outrageous with, but he creates a space where you feel very comfortable to do that. Hmm. I think the verse idea, again, was sort of something like that. I think the pre was something that I'd started with Tavish a while before, and I kind of do that. I kind of I collect ideas, and then I'll kind of trade them in when I feel like they belong in a different space for a new project. And uh, so this was like an old idea that I reused, basically. So you're saying like this song was sort of Frankenstein together from different elements, like one idea for the verse, another for the pre-chorus. Yeah, I write a lot that way. But I think the heart of the song came together that day with like Jack in the Room. Yeah. Um, I think that was just the pre that I kind of stole from another idea that I'd had with Tavish while writing on the road together. Let's listen to the first verse. This is such a vibey track. We've got these cowbell sequence drums, chorusing guitars. What is the vibe that you're going for here? Uh, I don't know. I think that, like Jack and I both kind of have the same sort of niche of what we like, like kind of like Squeeze. Do you know the band Squeeze? Tempted by the fruit of another. Yes. Love Squeeze. I think maybe a little bit of, of like that was sort of attractive to us at the time. The magic I think about writing with Jack is that he kind of takes over the production side. So I won't speak too much to that. Like I said earlier, he allows you to like really go to some weirder experimental places than I would allow myself to go with anybody else mm. because he makes the room really safe. 
And he's not afraid, like, it doesn't feel scary to say a stupid idea out loud because it might just be brilliant. You know, you just can't tell. Sometimes it's like a very yeah. close call either way. But um, yeah, I think Jack said that that's one of his favorite verses too when we were talking about it later. He's like, where did that come from? And I'm like, I don't know. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> And this is where you introduce the metaphor that will probably carry throughout the rest of our conversation, the metaphor of keeping this window open. And I feel like there's many ways of reading this. Could you tell us a bit about this metaphor and where it comes from? I have a problem when I fall in love with somebody, I don't ever stop, even if we're like broken up like 10 years past. Like, it's just like a constant, like, I'm always going to love you in some kind of friendly way. And so I think that is sort of the metaphor for that of like, just whenever you're feeling low, I'm always here mm. in some yeah. capacity, even if it's just as a friend, you know? It also fits very nicely in the fact that, you know, come into my room, the window is open, like it makes it visual as much as it is also a metaphor for where you're at. Yeah, I think I, I'm very youthful when I think about romance and the idea of like almost that high school love where you like sneak through the boy's window at night seemed kind of cute to me. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. I've never really done it before, but it sounds adorable. <laughs> Throwing pebbles at the windowsill. Yeah. yeah like, I'm 34, but like, don't tell your parents. <laughs> it's funny because I think what you're describing, that sort of childlike feeling and nervous anticipation is echoed in your vocal timbre, like the way you sing in this verse. Charlie and I were noticing there's a very specific tone. It's light and breathy, maybe like an open window. <laughs> I don't know if I thought about it that much, but maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's probably good you didn't. It would have been forced. <laughs> Yeah, I think with Dedicated in general, I've been able to sort of explore different ways of singing. Mm. A lot more falsetto than I ever used before. What I call my Disney voice. <laughs> your, your what voice? <laughs> my Disney princess voice. <laughs> oh, fun. like smoke some more serious like adult tones too it was fun to sort of just not have um one toolbox you know here we are in the verse and we're in like high school anticipation what's going to happen in this romance let's move into the pre-chorus song opens up <laughs> yeah actually I, yeah, I'm just trying to think when I was listening back to it that used to be um, different lyrics to that melody um, <laughs> it was a song called Four Leaf Clover Little Four Leaf Clover and it was a bad song at the time <laughs> 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 but, but I knew that there was something to those melodies and um, Jack is always very generous with letting me be like I might have this old idea but it's really weird but do you think it could fit and he really liked it so he kind of change the lyrics to fit the new meaning of the song. Huh. You have this lovely line, I want to press you to the pages of my heart. That was the four-leaf clover part. <laughs> I mm. thought, you know, when I was little and I would collect four-leaf clovers, I would put them into a book. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of thought that still really works, though, for like love stories and for what romance is. And that same thing I said of eternal dedication to whoever I fall in love with. It's like, well, you're part of the story now forever, and I'm going to cherish you. <laughs> 
this is something that we feel like you're quite talented at is writing a line that feels like you've heard it a thousand times, but it's entirely new, right? Like whether it's call me maybe or whether it's cuts the feeling. When I heard press you to the pages of my heart, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's immediate. I know exactly what you mean. And yet I've never heard those lines. How do you think about writing at the in-between of the personal and the universal? Well, I think it's a two-part thing. I think it's definitely a desire to connect. So you want you want to say things that are people can make of their songs, you know? It's not just about kind of the offering. It's about the, the connection. So I think that's number one. Also, I kind of collect words like, throughout my whole life, like I'll have a conversation with a girlfriend and she'll just say something. And I'm like, one second, I have to go write it down. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm very annoying that way. I'll get distracted at dinner parties. Cause I'm like, Oh, you don't even know, but you just said a brilliant thing. <laughs> and so, yeah, I have like a little, um, kind of cookie jar full of phrases that I like, and I try to fit them into different songs. So in the pre-chorus, we're kind of moving away from the Disney princess, starting to get a little more confident. Let's play the chorus of Want You In My Room. So, yeah, we've left the Disney princess far behind. This this chorus <laughs> starts in a really surprising way with a vocoder processed vocal what was behind that choice i don't know jack's so gifted at the vocoder it's like one of his specialties i feel like so we wanted to find a way to incorporate it i believe i don't remember exactly i think like i said some, sometimes the beauty of writing with jack is it's just sort of like this song happened and we were both here for it but no one remembers <laughs> how it appeared but yeah that one I think that was kind of the part of the song where we were just dancing and pointing at each other and like shouting things and I can't explain it it's, yeah. it's not very professional but it was really <laughs> fun it was very joyful one of actually my favorite like, experience of the, of the whole album was making that song and I kind of also really wanted to kind of have like a come hither song mm. I usually am so coy with how I talk about romance that it was sort of nice to be like what if I just came out and said it? <laughs> We're not dealing with the moment of romance. This is still about anticipation, right? And it's like, it's that heightened emotion. It's a kind of a liminal space. Like, it's declaring what you want, but it's still... Like, is it going to happen? And that's a really exciting, I think, relatable feeling. Yeah, I think because I would never be bold enough to actually say that to somebody in person. <laughs> <laughs> but there had to be some fantasy to it. It had to be like, yeah. in your imagination, this is what I would say. But I would be terrified. <laughs> Maybe having that line, I want you in my room, sung by a vocoder, makes it even safer to say because it's a little bit anonymous. I actually wonder, is this a line when you perform live? Is that a line that people all jump in on together? It feels like it's inviting me. Yeah. I mean, we're very lucky at our shows because I, there's very few lines that I don't have everyone singing with me. Um, that's kind of wow. part of the joy and the gift that I'm giving back is just like it becomes like a big little sing-along. 
we kind of tend to geek out on little musical details. And one that we really liked here was how the lyric slide on through my window is kind of supported in this subtle way by the harmonies that are happening underneath. We go from E flat to B flat, F major, F sharp diminished up to G minor. And that moment where it goes from F major to F sharp diminished to G minor is like this surprising sonority to hear in a pop song, but it's like it makes that line slide on through my window feel even more kind of enticing because you're like this harmony is sliding into these chromatic places that you wouldn't expect. Jack is a brilliant man, but that was definitely his part. Um, I kind of just mostly focus on like top line and stuff. So um, that's where I bow down to him for knowing what to do and how to make it feel good. But simultaneously, your vocal is also sliding into that note. And so it feels like whether that was Mm -hmm. an intentional part or it just came intuitively, it does evoke the lyrics so wonderfully. Oh, thank you. All right, we got to move to one of the most fun parts of the song. We got to check out the outro. I love me a sax. I'm a sucker for a sax. Sax solo. (laughs) I can't help myself. There's one on every album. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to do more, but I'm told, like, hold it back. (laughs) No, no. I just want to say that I think whoever in an A&R or whatever is telling you that there's too much saxophone, I think they're wrong. Uh, we are having – so this is such a fun moment. And I, I think what's really nice is as a listener, it feels like an obvious callback to your earlier sax solos, especially something like Run Away With Me. And so it feels like there's just sort of this through line that I'm catching between these records. I mean, it's really fun. I have an incredible saxophone player on the road with me, Jared Minerka, who's been with me for like eight years now, my God. And he's kind of a shy guy. <laughs> like, you wouldn't really, he's the one that, like, you just know is going to be chill throughout the bus life, through everything. But we let him do the sax solo on stage, and something happens to him. I don't know what it is, but like, he's literally on his back spinning. <laughs> like, and it's the best part of the show, in my opinion. I just love seeing how it kind of kind of transforms people into like their, I don't know, their full, crazy, intense, emotional selves. It seems like this song is giving people a lot of permission to stretch beyond their own emotional comfort. He truly spins on his back. You need to see it. It's amazing. <laughs> I do need to see that. Especially if you know the guy personally. It's such like a, yeah, you would never expect it. I like hearing about the genesis of this song because now I can almost read like a dual meaning into it. It's want you in my room in the sense of like, I want that romantic relationship, 
But hearing you keep talking about the room where you and Jack made this song as this place of like freedom and possibility makes me also think that this is like a song about a safe space for creativity or something. Like I want you in my room so we can make music together. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think the music video kind of represents that too. It was very important to me that the band was a part of it. And so we actually had them as like different furniture playing like the saxophone is like the plant and like Tavish is like I think he's a chair with his arms playing like his guitar and it was funny on the day of the shoot because I had asked him to come join it and Tavish about three hours into like sitting in his chair was like couldn't anyone have done this (laughs) and I was like but we knew it had to be you thank you so much I'm sorry it's hot in there (laughs) yeah that's great what a great celebration of, of collaboration. Dedicated is, is a wonderful record and we really enjoy it. Per your instructions, I have been listening to it while cleaning my house recently because now I'm at home a lot and I'm making a lot of mess. Yeah. What else are you going to do? <laughs> but you have a new record arriving and we want to talk about that right after the break. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. You have a brand new release. Yes. Well, I mean, I have a reputation with my label and just like, I think at this point, it's kind of common knowledge that I'm a bit of an overwriter. What do you mean by that? Well, I write all the time. Even when I don't have a project right now, I'm writing. Like, I just, it's very therapeutic for me. It's my greatest joy. So it's not just like, this is my job. It's like something that I am very passionate about. So I, but the truth is, is by the time Emotion was ready, I had 200 songs to select from. And same with Dedicated. Wow. So... That's a lot, right? (laughs) My publisher says I store songs in my cheeks like a chipmunk. (laughs) I love that. But um, it was really hard to select because there was a lot of different, like, places that I experimented with. And it wasn't enough for me just to share the one. I kind of was like, I always kind of knew that I wanted to be a two-part album. Mm. And it was really fun to do that with Emotion, too, with the side B. I, I once said when I was done this album, like, would it be weird to release, like, a 
50 song deluxe. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's weird. Like, no one does that. I'm like, okay, we'll start with, we'll start with 17 and then we'll get to the, the rest later. So, and it's kind of fun to do it on the one year anniversary and kind of, kind of making a tradition of that in my own books. You're not alone in that. The songwriter Irving Berlin had what he called his trunk songs, which was a literally a trunk filled with hundreds of songs <laughs> that had never been published. And occasionally he would pull one out and it became like God Bless America, a song that sat in his trunk for 30 years. And then he was like, well, let's try this. God Bless America. And then it almost became the national anthem. That's amazing. I, I, yeah, I have an entire, I call them like albums that I buried in my backyard. Like <laughs> I have an entire album called Disco Sweat <laughs> that no one will ever hear. <laughs> it was really fun to make though. <laughs> I, I think I, I really turned to like my friends and family for helping me like select the ones, but Cut to the Feeling is a good example of that. That was the song that was never going to come mm. out. And then I did like a voiceover for a, a cartoon and they were like do you have any tunes and I'm like well this one's very like theatrical I think it could work <laughs> so um, that's sort of how I roll so say you have hundreds of songs buried in your backyard how do you choose which ones go on the album I go a little crazy uh-huh. <laughs> but um that's sort of when I do turn to my friends and my family we have like these listening parties at my house where I just feed everyone and give them like copious amounts of wine and like hope that they will like have opinions about it if they want to. And I have very passionately opinionated friends who are generous enough to give me the time of day to like listen through not all 200 at a time, but like a couple new ones when we do a couple and, and, um, and then they all send in their votes to me. Like my bandmates do, um, my, my manager does. And then like my girlfriend, Alex, I mean, she sends me notes in the night <laughs> and uh, slowly, but surely there starts to be at least, I think like a common six to eight that are all kind of resonating with people. And that really helps me. And then I kind of just pick the rest of myself that are my favorites and fill in the blanks of like what's missing from the album. And I really don't, um, I take the album quite seriously as like it being a whole body of work that I really, um, I don't know that I really want to get right. So if there's like, I'll rate the songs for energy Mm. level. (laughs) And if there's too many fives, then I'll think what's a two, where do we put the one? And then I also like rate the songs on subject matter. Like I'll give each song a word. Like what in my room was sex. <laughs> Interesting. And then I'll kind of look for all the different emotions. Yeah. Is there color coding involved? I could show you the board. There's a board? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I do them on big huge boards. <laughs> like um, when you're trying to catch a serial killer or something, you're like connecting. <laughs> yeah, all it's like a beautiful, crazy mind. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's embarrassing because I have them out about my house and I forget. And then if I ever have like somebody come over beforehand, I would be like, don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm okay. <laughs> there are a lot of songs that we could talk about on B-Sides, but we wanted to select one that was a personal favorite and actually happened to continue this window metaphor. You have the second track off of your B-Sides of Dedicated is called Window. So could you just tell us a little bit about the story of this song? How did it come together? I was a really big fan of that song Back Pocket mm. by Wolfpack. Mm. Oh, yeah. Have you heard this song? 
loved it so much. And I am kind of famous for like, when I love a song, I dig into like, who made this and how do I meet them? <laughs> how do we become friends? So we can maybe try something similar. And so um, I got in touch with Theo. He's from the band Wolfbeck. Yeah, yes. Um, and he kind of just came over to my house one day. I thought we were just going to like hang out, see if we had a vibe, but he brought an acoustic guitar. And um, it, it was a really easy, comfortable write, especially for like a first time meet. Usually I like to like really establish a friendship first, but it was like instant friendship. And then this idea of like, how do we get that like childlike energy from that Wolfpack song that I mm. love so much into something that could feel sincere for me too. Hmm. Well, let's, let's walk through window a little bit. And I want to start actually just a little snippet right from the intro. This is a song with some real vibe going on too. And we want to know what kind of vibe are you going for here? This is a different sound than what we talked about on Watch You In My Room. Um, I knew that we wanted to play with rhythms. That's sort of what attracted me so much to Back Pocket. We really wanted to kind of like that really kind of almost Prince-like stop and start that is so attractive to me. We wanted to get into that mm. mood. Mm. But um, I don't know if we really knew what the theme was right away. Um, like I said, I do have a recurring thing with this idea of like everlasting, at least friendship. Hmm. So it was sort of like, even if it's not working right now, know that I'm always here for you. Keep a window for me open. <laughs> Let's check that out in the first verse. Baby, I could praise you. Try to turn your head around. Could you take a compliment? What can I say? Sometimes boys just need a lot of compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, you're so beautiful. Charlie, you're so talented. Uh, Gosh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I mean, girls do too. Everyone does. Sometimes you just need someone to be like, how perfect mm. are you? <laughs> right. But our fragile masculinity makes it harder for us to acknowledge the fact that we need that kind of praise and we are deeply insecure. <laughs> That's important work. Um, let's jump to the pre-chorus. Love that line. I see you a different way, so take my eyes to borrow. It's kind of creepy when I hear it back, but it <laughs> made sense to me at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's the same sort of theme of just sometimes... People kind of get this perception of themselves and they're so locked into it that you almost want to be like, do you even know how incredible you are? I wish you could see yourself the way that I see you and that I think a lot of other people see you. And that's a, a very common, I don't know, problem, I think. There's this cool effect in the pre-chorus. You know, we get some new harmonies, the melody changes, and then we end with this kind of gap, this kind of question mark. We don't know exactly what's coming. Let's find out. Let's spin the chorus. Kind of flips the script a little bit. Yeah, I mean... I feel like, again, it was one of those like sort of just games mm. with the rhythm of the stop and the startness and sort of, I think I was attracted to almost like, not that we got there with it, but like 
that like sort of like young Michael Jackson sort of like, I don't know, that funky kind of groove that I've never really played with before. So it was a fun write. I mean, Theo was incredible. He was just so able to kind of direct it and guide it like where we were supposed to go here. But I love how those gaps almost feel like they take that window metaphor. If you look at the waveform of this song, which I was doing editing it down, I was like, there's actually like a second of silence in there. It's a, it's like a, it's like almost a really risky thing to do. It's very vulnerable to go down to silence. songs that I um, was surprised ended up making the running at the end of the day because it was such an Mm. unusual one for me. Mm. That's sort of why I go back to the gift of experimenting and of allowing yourself to like not just think you have to make one type of pop music because this was like a perfect example of like I would have never thought that this would be my style of music but it's it's feeling really authentic. Yeah. You use this idea of the window and you sort of flip the script from the song we had just been listening to right? And want you in my room, it's like, I'm leaving a window open for you. And now it's like, leave a window open for huh. me. I think it's very rare that we get a song that is from the perspective of a narrator trying to sort of tell the other person how to feel through their own eyes, like see things, walk in my shoes, see it through my eyes. In art, you call that like a trump loy, where you get sucked into the song. It fools the eye because it's a song kind of about a narrator telling a story to a person about how they're feeling. And then you forget you're listening to a song. You're that sucked into it. (laughs) I didn't even think of it like that. but I love that explanation. (laughs) You know, something I always gravitate towards to in songwriting ever since actually a listener of our show pointed it out is in both this song and Want You In My Room, there are no gender pronouns whatsoever. There's an I and a you, but the identities of those people are never really established. And I just remember when we had this listener write us and say that as a queer man, like he always was drawn to those songs because it meant he could put his own figures into those roles. I mean, that's the dream. I feel like, I mean, I'd go on these like long camping trips with my parents when I was little. And I would just listen to music and I would put myself in the story of every single, like it was my song. I was singing those words. I had lived those experiences and I could like really allow my fantasy to like believe it for a second. And so I love if anyone else can get that opportunity with anything that I make of just like, this is your song now, you know, this is your story. And hopefully you've experienced something similar. So it, it does feel real. Absolutely. On that note, you know, there's another moment in this song that I think reflects that it's something we only notice after listening to this song, you know, a number of times as we do. The chorus changes. At first, at the end of the chorus, you sing, keep you wanting more. But then later in the song, in the third chorus, you say, keep me wanting more. So it's almost like there's an even further blurring of like, who am I and who are you and how are we in this together? Yeah, I mean, that exchange, I think, is something that I, I, I kind of think about a lot in romance is like, 
I like to give as good as I get kind of thing. And that's always, you know what I mean? Reciprocity. And that's not always an easy transaction that Mm. you find. Sometimes you have someone who's more of the giver, sometimes you're more of the getter. So I think it's just like, hey, it's not just about you keeping the window open for me. It's got to go both ways. In the outro of the song, there's this musical moment that I feel like kind of reinforces that that merging of the two. It's this subtle thing that's happening there, but in the background, the guitar is just playing this one chord over and over while all the other chords move around it. call that a pedal point where one thing stays the same and everything is changing around it and it feels like it's this sort of grounding element there's a solidity that by the time we get to the final chorus because of what's happening and because of what you're singing what the guitar is doing to back it up that merging of the me and the you and we want each other feels complete i mean this is weirdly another example of a kind of hook that Mm. i had that i've been carrying around for a while and i didn't know where to Hmm. put it so when we got to like Bridgeland, I was like, this kind of works right here. <laughs> and luckily Theo agreed. So yeah, it was, a, it was a, again, like another perfect example of just like collecting little ideas as I go. And we'll, one day we'll find a home for them. That's wonderful. So there are so many fabulous tracks on B-Sides. We really love this one window. What are some of the other themes that people are going to hear on this record? I think I tried to explore a lot of different things. I think the opening track, um, This Love Isn't Crazy, only ended up making the album at the, the last minute and um, is now my favorite track, actually. For some time I've been waiting for your star to shine so bright I should say that it's your right, honey, baby If you wanted to, oh, but love isn't cruel I wanted to open with something really theatrical, like... With Julian, I went really subtle, so I wanted to kind of flip the switch on that and just be like, Welcome to love, everyone. <laughs> We're going to have a party. <laughs> Stop cleaning the house. <laughs> in a weird way like acknowledge sort of the loneliness that some, some people might be going through so I selected kind of a song called Solo for that very reason I can't stand to see you crying It's like a song that sort of hooks onto like so what you're not in love we're going to shine bright on your self-dance and solo. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's, I think it's, um, if there was a word for it, I was looking kind of for like motivational, mm. uplifting sort of feelings. So earlier you described yourself as an over-writer, perhaps a workaholic in some ways, which suggests that even though you're just putting out this record, you're still writing. What are you working on right now? Tavish and I have already made an entire quarantine album. <laughs> what? <laughs> And it's very different. It's kind of fun. We have to like do it on Zoom or things like that. So it's it's been like a challenge, but um, a really fun one. You kind of write differently that way. You have more time to have space in between the decisions you're making. 
and more time to kind of be away from the song for a minute. So I find it to be like a whole new style of, of, of going at it. I really like it. Well, that's really encouraging for us because we're vibing off of this B-Sides record and we are excited to see what continues to emerge. That sounds like there's going to be something really very beautiful on that work. So we look forward to it someday. Thank you. Carly, this has been so much fun. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for giving us a reason to talk about pop music every week for the last five years. Ah. This is all your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm very sorry, but thank you so much. (laughs) One more time, a huge thank you to Carly Rae Jepsen for joining us on the show. It is such a joy to get to meet the people that inspire you. And we never saw this coming either. Switch It On Pop actually just won a Webby Award for Best Arts and Culture Podcast. So uh, your gifts keep on giving, Carly. Thank you. Switch It On Pop is produced by Bridget Armstrong, Megan Lubin, Nate Sloan, myself, Charlie Harding, Nishat Kurwa and Liz Nelson are our executive producers. Brandon McFarlane is our editor, mixer, and engineer. Abby Barr does our community management. And Ira Scott Lee makes our beautiful illustrations. We're a proud member of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We love hearing from you on Twitter at Switched on Pop. Tell us what you're listening to. Tell us your favorite Carly Rae song. And we'll be back in another week with a brand new one. And most of all, thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot, because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Get ready to laugh out loud at the Tribeca Festival, June 5th to June 16th in NYC. Experience hilarious talks, comedy specials, and feel-good films with your fan-favorite comedians like Hannah Einbinder, Judd Apatow, Neil Patrick Harris, Tig Notaro, and more. You have to be there. Get your tickets now at TribecaFilm.com. <laughs>